Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. Brother David Horton, I'm going to hit you up one more time. Your brother wants you to testify. Well, I appreciate the Lord. He's brought us a mighty long way. We've got a good God. How many believes we've got a good God? The blessings of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow. This is the best life, and that's living for God. God bless you. So good to be here. Appreciate Brother David, Brother Philip, all the Horton family here. So good to see Sister Doris up here playing the piano, worshiping the Lord. Amen. And I, I thank the Lord for Sister Wanda Varney and all the worship that I got blessed by watching her. Amen. I tell you, her weaving in and out and stopping when somebody was in front of her, tra- changing directions when her eyes was closed. And as a that is an amazing thing. I still remember the first time I saw that. And I appreciate such Holy Ghost-filled, godly people like that. What examples they've been to us. I appreciate this family praying for them. And, uh, and we just love this area. Love the preachers. And the people that are here, y'all have been so good to me. I, uh, I have a burden on my heart tonight. I've been blessed by the singing. Y'all are just wonderful, anointed singers. Wish my wife was here to be able to sing as well. And uh, for those of you that just showed up, she's she's having terrible back trouble right now. And I appreciate your prayers concerning her. But I want to read from Acts chapter 1, if you'd like to read there. I thank you for all the provisions that you've given to us. May the Lord bless you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 16 is where I'll be reading. Acts chapter 1 and verse 16. Maybe I'll start in verse 15. It says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in the proper tongue Maseldama, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. 
And his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, and whose uh, surname was Justus and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place that he might go to his own place. I, I can't say I want to preach. It's like I need to preach on your own personal hell. Would you stretch your hand this way and ask God to help me? Heavenly Father, this is all I've had all day long, and I'm praying that you please move upon my spirit and soul and loose my tongue and help me. And I pray for this congregation that you would please move in a special way and touch every heart, touch every life for your glory. And I do thank you so much for your mercies to us. I pray for souls to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know I'm an unusual preacher in some ways. Many times I come to church with about three messages, and I don't hardly know if I'm going to preach one of them when I get up here. But at the same time, this was on me all day. I've sometimes tried to veer away from it, but it seemed like the Lord brought me back to it. I've never preached this before. And uh, in my own heart, as I look at Judas... And read that one last phrase where that Peter said that he went to his own place. It's a terrible thing to think about Judas betraying the Lord. I continually think how in the world could he do such a thing? He had seen the sinless Son of God under pressure. Our Lord's character was on full display. He had a personal upfront view of the character of Jesus Christ. He saw him in all of his compassion, his holiness, and anger, sometimes upon hypocrites. He saw the purity of his righteousness. He heard the force of his words, and yet he betrayed him. Judas could have written a gospel just like Matthew did. He had... He had his personal relationship as John in many ways. He could have spoken of messages that he heard Jesus preach. He also could have told about miracles that took place. Yes, indeed, this man right here had went through the best Bible school that anybody been through. He had the greatest preacher. He had the most mighty prophet he had the Holy Son of God right there in touching distance. Yet he wasn't impressed. 
with this one that could raise the dead, open blinded eyes, cause the lame to leap. It seemed as though he wanted something more than what he was seeing. He wanted money. He wanted the religious leaders of his day to accept him. So Judas betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. It wasn't reasonable to betray the Lord. One so perfect, one so holy, one so powerful. But sin is never reasonable, my friend. Everyone who lives in sin believes some lie. Anyone who backslides has some type of spiritual insanity about them. The thing I want you to notice is that Peter said that Judas went to his own place and he went there because he fell from that place of ministry by transgression. In the book of Revelation, we see a wonderful place. It's a place that we call heaven, the new Jerusalem, a place of sparkling glory, mansions made of gold, streets of gold. Great Lord, help me. Gates of pearl, jasper walls. If you were able to tour that city, you would be amazed at the lights that are there, for there are no chandeliers, but yet it glows with an unearthly glow. The glory of that throne room goes and permeates the city, and I'm sure that those 12 foundations must have been a beautiful, sparkling, and amazing jewels, all different precious stones, but at the same time, they must really be amazing with the glory of God coming through them. But as you look at these, you realize from Revelation 21 and 14 that there's names in those foundations. There's Peter. There's James. There's John. There's Doubting Thomas. There's all the others. And there's Judas, not Iscariot. But Judas's name's not there. I don't know who took his place. I haven't been to heaven yet to figure it out. You may have a theory that it was Paul or it may have been Mattathias. I don't know who it was. But somebody took his place. And he could have went to a very special place in glory if he'd have just stayed true to the Lord. God would prepare a place for him in that manner in the same way. But he fell from this high and lofty place that God had planned for him to that lowly, lowly place that he got himself into. He fell so far that Jesus said it would have been better for him to have never been born in Mark 14 and 21. He fell so far that once this man that was called a disciple of Jesus Christ, this man that one time went out and preached and told folks of the gospel, cast out devils, prayed for the sick and they were healed, came back rejoicing that even the demons were subject to them 
by the name of Jesus. And Jesus said to them all, don't rejoice that the devils are subject to you, but rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. Amen. I don't know the messages that Judas preached, but the second fellow that went with him probably could tell you about the people that prayed. There may be people in heaven right now that Judas preached to while he's in hell in his own place. This one that was called to be an apostle, a sent one of the Lord Jesus Christ, became the son of perdition, the Bible says. Amen. That's the son of ruin, the son of loss, the son of destruction, the son of damnation or condemnation, if you please. How far did he fall? He fell from that lofty place of heaven that God had a plan that he could have went to, to that place in hell that he eventually ended up in. That's how far he fell. Now this is a story of horror. No one wants to be Judas. The tale of his life is one of lost potential, lost ministry, and a lost soul. And even though we may shudder at his story, I ask this question, does it apply to us? Does it apply to someone here that may be thinking of backsliding? Does it apply to someone who is backslidden? Maybe in heart? Is it possible that we could have our own personal hell? Now, I'm not saying that we would be separate from everybody else. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in heaven. And there are mansions there, the King James Version says. And so I believe that there's a place for every Christian in heaven. But at the same time, there's a multitude in heaven. So there can be something very personal about hell. While we're not necessarily separated from everybody else, if someone goes there, amen, in my message I need to talk to you and tell you that when someone goes to this terrible place of torment, that there are torments that everyone will feel. But there is a personalness about the torments of hell as well. And then finally, I just want to tell you, there's no need in going to hell. It's a useless thing. Amen. And so let's talk about the general torments of hell. Amen. The Bible tells us it's a place of fire. Yes, that's what the Bible says. Jesus in his story of the rich man and Lazarus tells about the rich man dying. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, immediately in torments, as if that it did not take one to be introduced and another, but there were all kinds of torments that leaped on him at the same time. He did not ever get used to it. No. But what was some of the first things he said? I'm tormented in this flame. Amen. 
Oh, yes. Praise Lord. Some people have said that the fires of hell are non-literal. One famous preacher said that, and a, and a reporter said, has there ever been such a thing as non-literal fire? But friend, if for whatever reason somebody wants to make hell less tormenting by making fire a type of something, I've got to warn you about that. Because in the Bible, every type is less than the fulfillment. The Passover lamb was just an animal. The lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world is the son of God. Amen. And you see the type is much less than the fulfillment. And so if fire is, and I don't believe this, but if fire is just a type of something, you haven't made hell less tormenting. You've probably made it worse than even what I believe. For if it is a type, then the fulfillment of the type has to be much worse than fire. Great Lord. And I believe like the old time preachers that the literal fires of hell really are fires. Spurgeon said there's a real fire in hell as truly as you have a real body. A fire exactly like that which we have on this earth. Except this, that it will not consume though it will torture you. Your body will be prepared in such a way that it will burn forever without being desensitized to the pain for all of its raging fury. Great Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Amen, friend, there is a fiery hell. Amen, and I ask you here tonight, is there anyone that would take your hand and put it into a blowtorch for $500? For $1,000, your hand's worth more than that, isn't it? Amen. Your, the pain you would feel is not worth the $500 or $1,000. How foolish would that be? But Jesus said this, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Pray the Lord. Pray the Lord. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a place of fire. Pray the Lord. I remember preaching to a boy. He was pretty cocky. He acted like the gospel and hellfire preaching didn't matter to him. I tried to get him to pray. He acted though it was nothing. The next night he came back, his eyes was all red. He started looking at somebody that was welding, and his eyes were burning. That night he was a little bit more serious, amen, because he had experienced some little taste of what that fire was all about. My friend, i got to preach to you and tell you the fires of hell are real, and I'm trying to keep somebody from going there. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the 
lake of fire. Amen. I can't describe it. But then we go on. These are things that everybody's going to experience in hell. He said, would you please, the rich man said, would you please, Abraham, Father Abraham, would you, would you have Lazarus dip his finger in some water and walk all the way over here to where I am and put just a drop of water on my tongue? Oh, you know what that tells me? There is desire in hell. The same longings that we have here, we will have there. But there's not a drop of satisfaction that'll even begin to cool any desires that we have in hell. You like rest? There's no rest in hell. You like food? There's no food in hell. You like family and friendship and laughing and joking? There's, there's none of that in hell. Whatever you like, whatever you desire here. Amen. You like entertainment? There's no entertainment to keep your minds away from what's going on. Great Lord, help me, Lord. Amen. There's no rest. There's no fulfillment of physical desires. In fact, there's no good. There's no good. You see, you see, great Lord. Amen. Help me, Lord. It doesn't matter if you're religious or non-religious. If you've got a bar up in your life that says, God's will cannot be done in my heart, then you are keeping God out of your life. You say, I believe in Jesus. Well, is he Lord of your life? Does he have a say in your life? Or is it still your will be done? C.S. Lewis said there's only two types of people in this world. There are people that look to God and say thy will be done. And there are others that God looks at and says thy will be done. And when you bar God out of your life, you've got to understand every good thing that's in this world is here because God is merciful. Because God is a good God. Amen. Every pleasure that man can enjoy in this world and sometimes the devil perverts it. But everything that is here that is good, amen, is here because God is here in this world. But when you bar God from your life, there comes a time where God says, Thy will be done and I'll send you to a place where I am absent in any goodness whatsoever. And there's no pleasant scenery in hell. There's no sunsets or warm breeze. Amen. There, there's nothing good in hell. Amen. There's no fulfilled dreams or hopes. Amen. Oh, God. No sight of beauty. No pleasant sounds. No bodily pleasures. No gratified appetites. No satisfied desires. No hopes fulfilled. No good in hell. But I will tell you there is the presence of evil in hell. There are demons in hell. In fact, hell was built for the devil and his angels. Now I don't know if you've ever been around where you felt the devil real strong. 
It's not a good feeling. But he'll be there unrestrained. All the evil people that you wouldn't hang around in this world, they're all going to be there. This, my friend, and many others are the general torments of hell, and I wish I was more burdened preaching to you. And I wish that the church really believed that there is a hell to shun. Great Lord, help me. Amen. But I want to tell you, there is certain personal things about hell and its torments. There's going to be a personal judgment. Revelation 20 and 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, according to what they did. Jesus said in Matthew 20, or 12 and 36, that even our idle words are going to be judged one day. The imaginations of your heart, the things you would have done but did not do because you're afraid you'd get caught, they're all going to be judged. And when Pilate stood before Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, They that delivered me to you hath done the greater sin. You got to understand, there are greater sins. I realize every sin has poison in it. I'm not saying that, that you all, all, all understand that there are greater sins. There's going to be people judged according to what they've done or maybe even what they didn't do that they should have done. Great Lord. Matthew eleven twenty one through 24, Jesus spoke and said there were certain cities that he called out, Capernaum, Chorazin. He said, I'll tell you what, if the works that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have went on. They wouldn't have been judged. In fact, he said it'd be more tolerable for people in Sodom and Gomorrah than for you, amen, on the day of judgment. But the problem was they weren't sodomites. They were religious people that had a light. They had memorized scriptures about the coming Messiah and rejected the Messiah. They had probably memorized some, most, if not all, of the first five books of the Bible. And they rejected Jesus Christ. And I tell you, we're going to be judged according to the light we have. And woe be to people, amen, that have heard the word, read the word, amen, understood the word, and yet turned in their hearts away from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to tell you, Judas... Judas has his own personal hell because he had a greater light, amen, than just about anybody in this whole world. 
And I say to you, some of you that's raised in church and never really prayed through, and you fake it, you know how to raise your hands when everybody else does, and you know how to kneel down. One fellow I heard said he'd kneel down and just start saying the alphabet to keep people, make people think he was praying. He really wasn't praying. Just telling you people can be raised in church and never really born again. Then all of a sudden we're surprised when they go out into the world. I'm trying to save you from that, my friend, because I'm not just wanting you to not go out in the world. I'm not wanting you to go to this place called hell and have a lot that you have. Amen. Oh, you may be decent in many ways, but oh, if you've got a light in your soul from the gospel, but you put it out, you put the light of the gospel out, there's a greater judgment on you than people that don't even know. There's a certain personalness about this. Amen. That servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes, is what Jesus said. There's a parable. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall not be beaten, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. Oh, great Lord, help me right now. I'll tell you something else is going to be personal about you. It's going to be your memory. Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Son, remember. You'll have your own personal memory of every service you went to, every Sunday school class you was in, of every time God woke you up in the night and dealt with you. You'll have it in your spirit and soul. It'll replay in your mind. Your own personal times where that maybe God blessed you and you took it for granted. Amen. Amen. Brother Ralph Lowry, many of y'all know him and how horrible it was that he, when he was lost and his own brother got in a fight and he killed his own brother and how that many a times he'd go out to his brother William's grave and pound and say, oh, William, forgive me, William. Forgive me, William. William can't forgive him. But he preached a message one time on Son Remember and he preached on Lost in a Memory World. He said, you don't know how bad this torments me, how I killed my brother. But he said, can you imagine if I went to hell and not only had that but many other things that tormented me for all eternity. Friend, I want to preach to you that your own memory is going to be a very personal thing in hell. And I know that Judas had things that he remembered about Jesus' compassion. He remembered that day when just like Matthew, amen, 
Jesus went by Matthew and said, follow me. And Matthew left everything and followed him. Peter, James, and John left their boats and followed him. I don't know what business Judas was in, but one day he went, Jesus went by him and said, follow me. And Judas left it all and followed. He remembered that. He remembered what it felt like to pray for the sick and them being healed. He remembered what it was like to speak the name of Jesus and demons be cast out. He remembered it. Oh, great Lord. Oh, I wish I could preach this to you. Amen. But at the end of it all, there, there, there's something about this. Jonathan Edwards said, the damned in hell would be ready to give the world if they could have the number of their sins to have been reduced one less, just one less. Amen. He's talking about how that each sin is judged in hell. And he said they'd give the world if they could just reduce their sins by one. They'd give the world. Oh, I wish I... I Amen. But I got good news for you. Amen. You don't have to give the world to reduce your sins by one. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he'd reduce the sins of the world completely. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's such a useless thing for somebody to go to hell. If I'm not, I'll tell you what, I think it's, I think one of the worst torments for somebody that has the light of the gospel has to be, I did not have to go here. There was a cross in my way. There was a church that cared about me. Maybe family members that loved me. Amen. I didn't have to go here. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I really believe in my heart. You know, God, the Lord warned Judas several times. He didn't listen. I think his last warning and his last appeal was when Judas came and kissed the door of heaven and went to hell when Jesus said, Friend, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? The word friend means a, a, a comrade. Somebody like a, that, that, that maybe worked together like sailors on a ship or something. Comrade that, that got close to one another. Friend, hey man, I'll tell you, I, I may be wrong. You can correct me, but I think if he'd have knelt down and said, I. Forgive me, Lord. All you've ever done to me is good. And look at what I've done to you. I think, I think things would have changed. There was another, my friend. His name is Peter. And he denied the Lord. And I, I've, you know, sometimes I've, I've kind of soft-pedaled Peter's denial. I said he cursed like a sailor. He wasn't, he wasn't saying bad words. The Bible says he swore and cursed. You know what he's saying? I swear. I swear by all that is holy. 
I swear, I'm telling the truth. I don't know that man. I don't know if he called God's name. He probably didn't. But he may have swore by the temple where God was. He may have swore by the altar. He, may, he was, I swear, by something that is holy that I don't know Jesus. And then he cursed himself. If I'm lying, may I be God forsaken forever. May I be lost forever. And he involved holy things in this. Listen, that's no small sin right there. But when Jesus was risen, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Glory to God. Amen. One of the gospel writers says that Jesus turned and looked on him and he went out and repented. Amen. Judas repented himself. Amen. He just got sorry about all of this big mess that he was in. But Peter actually repented of the sin that he did. And there was grace and mercy. And I'm telling you, amen, there's grace and mercy for somebody here tonight. You don't have to have a personal hell. You can hear Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. There's a man that came around us and he... He's a good man in a lot of ways, religious man. But he trusted in the doctrines, you know, that if you prayed one time when you was four years old, you was all right to, to the end of your life. Had more faith in that prayer of that little child than he actually did in Jesus. He worked for a man in my church. And he's a real cowboy, tough man. Amen. Two or three bulls threw him around. He got in a pen with them. They got to fighting. And anyway, they threw him around. His life lighted him out. And he said he died. And he saw hell. And I tell you, hell changed his mind real quick. He, he all of a sudden realized he needed a savior. Hey Amen. It wasn't just something that happened years ago. No, he needed a savior. When he came to, he made sure he made everything right with God. Amen. A little while later, he went to the operating table. He's trying to fix some of the things those bulls messed up. Oh, and he told Wayne Holden, his cousin, he said, I'll tell you what, if I die on this operating table today, I'm ready to go to heaven. And that's exactly what happened. Friend, and I, I hope God will get a hold of somebody here tonight as I feel as though there's someone that needs to wake up to your spiritual condition. Oh, if I could preach to you with all the compassion of heaven, amen, all the compassion of God the Father that sent his son to die on a cross, I'd like to lure you away from the world. I'd like to lure you away from whatever's keeping you from serving God. Oh, God. 
Church, would you pray with me? I I hope somebody here that have a burden for the lost. Great Lord, help me, Jesus. My Father, help me, Jesus. Great Lord, great Lord. Is there anyone here that say, I'd like to give my life to the Lord? Maybe you've been fooling around. Maybe you're backslidden hard even. I don't know. There's a lure of the world that's got a hold of you. And you need to get right with God and not have a wasted life and a wasted eternity. Amen. Would you come right now? I need somebody to get ready to Maybe play and sing here just a moment. I'd like for us to stand. Would you raise your hand, church, and ask God to make it easy for someone to step out and come to this altar. Oh, God. Oh, my Father. I come to you in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord. I preached what I felt like I needed to preach. I pray against unbelief. I pray against lies from the devil. I pray for conviction. I pray for drawing, Lord. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, lose somebody to pray. Lose someone to repent. I plead the blood against deception. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God is talking to you. Oh, God is talking to you. Come. Step out right now. And God will help you. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus, come to this altar. Let the Lord touch you right now. Come on. Oh, the Lord cares about you. Church, would you raise your hand and ask God to help people right now? Ask God to move on people right now. Oh, I'll tell you, if I wasn't sure about my salvation, I'd come to this altar. I'd make sure. I'd make sure about things. Come on. God's a-calling you. God's a-calling you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want to take a chance on going to hell. Oh, come on. I appreciate these that's in the altar right now. Oh, come on. Some of them may have a burden for the lost. 
Others may be feeling a tug in their own spirit. Come on. I remember a service where the Holy Ghost fell. Brother Dominic Morano was preaching. He preached on a head start on hell, and I really looked around. I didn't know if any of the people there was lost, just to be honest. And he said, I've had a burden for two young people here tonight. And as that he gave the altar call, a young lady that I had the utmost confidence in came out of the back pew and ran to the altar. And Dominic bursted out in tears. Amen. And he said, I've had a burden for you all service. And another boy did too. And he was the second one. Amen. Well, I hate to say this, but the second boy right now is living in sin. He's had a hard life. That girl that prayed that I had that most confidence in, I don't know if the world was pulling on her or what was going on, but she obeyed God and came up to the altar and prayed and cried, and God moved. Amen. But a week later, I got a call. Come down here, there's been a car accident. Amen. I went down there and that precious little 19-year-old girl, amen, that prayed on our Saturday night service when Dominic preached, shouted on Sunday night, amen, when we had a move of the Holy Ghost, had a wreck and went on to glory before she had been, before a week was up. Amen. The thing that I'm trying to impress upon you Amen, that there's somebody needs to move tonight. I really believe it in my soul. You need to move tonight. Amen, would you come right now? Would you come right now? Don't take a chance on being lost forever. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on. Come on. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Oh God. How many here tonight and say I've got a burden for the lost? Would you raise your hand? I feel something in my soul. You know, I I could end this altar call. I'm going to keep it open just a little while longer. Because I feel as though that there are some that have not responded that need to come to this altar this very hour. Come on. It's out of God's love. It's out of God's compassion. Jesus died on the cross so you would not go to hell. Would you come? Would you pray? Come on. Amen. Church, bow your heads and pray that God would just move on people. Sinner friend, backslider, backslidden in heart. Amen. Come on. Amen. You don't have to be afraid. This church loves you. This congregation loves you. Come on. Well, God's a calling for you. Don't put it off till it's too late. Come on. Come on. God bless your heart. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you. Jesus is here to save. God bless you. Somebody else.
Somebody else, come on. Oh, yes, Lord. Hey, I'm going to say thy will be done. I'm going to give my heart to you. Come on. Let the Lord touch you. Let the Lord touch you. God bless you. Come on. Somebody else. Somebody else, church, I hope you're still praying. Hope you're still praying. I'm not just prolonging this because I hadn't got nothing else to do and we don't have anything else to do. But there's a precious soul in the balance. There's precious souls in the balance. Amen. Feel like there's young people that need to be up here right now. You need to step out. Come on. Yes. Oh, God. Let me ask you this. There's someone here say, Brother Lord, I can't say that I'm backslid, but I've been having a great pull on my soul. And I want the pull from heaven to be greater than the pull from hell. Amen. I, I want to overcome this pull. They're trying to get me out of fellowship with God. Would you come right now? Come on. Can't say I'm necessarily backslid, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to heed the warning. And I'm not going to allow this to go on my heart no more. Come on, step out. Come on. The name of Jesus. Going once. Going twice.
Oh, it's one of the most serious altar calls I believe I've gave in a long, long time. Great Lord. Did you hear the voice of the Lord? Come on. If I knew who you were, I'd just come and get you. I'd come up, I'd come and beg you. I know I couldn't force you, but I don't know who you are, but God's a calling for you right now. Come on. Come on. There are people that need to be up here. bless you. God bless you. Woo. Glory to God. God bless you. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. I mean, listen, God could be preaching to us faith. He could be shouting us around this place. But He loves you so much. He could he reserved this service for you. Come on. Come on right now. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, I feel like there's a breakthrough coming. Come on. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Lord's been pulling for you. Come on. He'll help you. God bless these young people coming up here right now. Come on. Come on. Oh, bless them. Hallelujah. Got somebody on your heart, talk to them. If the Lord's leading you to do that. Great Lord, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on up front, let's pray. 
Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Oh, in Jesus' name. I want you to raise your hands and thank God for conviction. Thank God for these that's coming. Thank God for the stirring that we've had here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone that would, would you find a place to pray right now? Amen, sinner friend. We're still pulling for you. But oh, let's pray. Amen. God wants to help people right out of their failure, right out of their sins. Jesus' blood was shed for them. You feel like praying with somebody, pray with them. You never know the needs of some of these young people, some of these that's battling battles, and we want them to overcome. Come on. Let's seek the Lord. Let's seek the Lord.